You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everybody, it's Jeremy Warner, Line Enquirer publisher, and if you're listening to this on Monday, August 8th, right after we publish this, you might want to act now. If you are not a VIP member at Illini Inquirer, now is a great time to sign up for Illini Inquirer because you can get 50% off a VIP membership to Illini Inquirer. That is everything Derek Piper writes, every basketball recruiting nugget he has, all the analysis there, Michael Tulip's film rooms for basketball, any information me, Joey Wagner, or Ryan Easterling has on Illini football recruiting, Alan True, our national analysts uh, and recruiting experts, and of course, Every insight into the teams you care about most, Illinois basketball, Illinois football, and even non-revenue sports, we cover it all at IlliniInquire.com. And you can save $60 off your annual membership if you sign off now. But you got to hurry. This deal ends at midnight Eastern time, so 11 p.m. Central time on Monday, August 8th. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're not a VIP member, take advantage of it. Save some money and get the best Illini coverage around we appreciate all your support and even for you monthly members right now if you're a current monthly member and you're paying a certain amount a month you can upgrade to the 50 percent off annual deal just go to the website hit join sign up for an annual membership and you'll save more than 60 dollars at Illini Enquirer. now let's talk some Illini football Welcome back into the Online Choir Podcast. Jeremy Warner. Been a while since I've been on this, but it's been a busy week of training camp, some family stuff going on. Uh, but I've been wanting to do this podcast for a while. Joey Wagner is joining me because we've had a full week of training camp. Uh, not a lot that we've been able to see, and, and we'll dig into that. Uh, but we want to say what we've learned so far in week one. We've had one open practice on Saturday that we got to learn a lot more about the personnel on this team, got to see this team in action a little bit. Uh, otherwise, it's been a mostly closed um, you know, camp so far. There's three days where we haven't been able to see anything. Uh, they're scrimmaging on Monday, and we're not going to be able to see any of that. But Brett Bielman and his staff do uh, meet with us every day. We get to talk to the assistant coaches, learn more about this team, and we do learn a little bit from the coaching staff but Joey uh, you know we don't know as much uh, about these Illinois teams here of late the last three years we had the COVID year where we had to shut it down Lovey Smith had open training camp before that uh, but Brett Bielema uh, has kept a, a tighter ship during training camp where we haven't been able to see this team as much I don't like it um, I, I know the fans probably want to know a lot more about their team uh, but Brett Bielema he heard from Scott Frost last year and had, had heard everything he needed to hear about shutting camp down because uh, Scott Frost was shocked that Ryan Walters would have a four-man uh, four front in his bag of tricks. So uh, that's all Brett Bielema needed to learn, and uh, he's going to keep things as tight as possible because he wants to win games. I get it. I don't like it. I don't like it either. I understand what he's saying. Um, I think for us, it probably gives us a little more credit. Like I don't know if anyone on the beat is going to sit here and and draw out plays and schemes to to put out there for the Wyoming's and Indiana of the world. But I appreciate the credit that he thinks that we um, are smart enough to do that. I, I'm with you, man. I get it. I understand. I don't like it. It is what it is. And part of me got a little tricked because I thought, okay, if there's no new coaches, and maybe 
This year, we would be able to get in there. He obviously made the offensive coordinator change, and frankly, I don't know if that was going to matter one way or the other uh, when it all came down to it. But we're learning as much as we can. The, the transparency from them does help. I mean, I think we would be foolish to sit here and say it doesn't. I think we, as a collective beat, need to be better in understanding what to ask to try to get more information. But we're doing, you know, we're all doing the best we can with it. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think fans that, that follow the line I inquire during the Lovey era, um, you know, Cubit had it open. Uh, when I was on the radio under Beckman, they had two weeks of training camp. You really get to know the team. And, you know, I covered Jerry Kill for a year, and I was really the only guy who was there all the time in Northern Illinois, right? And um, he basically said, hey, don't, don't show plays. If injuries happen, ask me about it. Don't live tweet. Um, I want you to ask about injuries so I can notify the parents before you say anything. Uh, all that stuff. And it was kind of understood that you don't divulge a ton about like plays, schemes, all of that, but you can get to know the team. And I think that was invaluable. And I think it's good for the team to have as much buzz as possible, whether it's about, hey, Tommy DeVito had a great day. Um, you know, you, you put context if somebody has a bad day. You always want to do that. But uh, I think we do a pretty good job of that. So that's where it's hard. We, we know less about Illinois going in, but we have learned something. So on this podcast, we're going to dive into all of that stuff, Joey. But before we do that, we have to talk about a new commit in the class. And this one is a pretty nice feather in the cap for the Illini. I know some fans uh, want this class to be better. It's not a high-ranked high ranked class right now. Uh, but to steal a commitment from North Carolina, which is recruiting at a high level under Mac Brown, and to get one of the top four highest-ranked prospects in this class is certainly a good news day for Illinois on Saturday. As Zach Toby, three-star defensive back out of Ocoee, Florida. He's teammates with Calvin Smith, a three-star edge rusher. That's a really nice duo to add to the defense. 6-1, uh, adds some length. He needs to add some strength, but certainly great ball skills, Joey. And just another Florida guy. Uh, the Illinois coaching staff, whether it was Lovey Smith or Brett Bielma, whether it was Kinoto Hudson or Aaron Henry, they have a type, and it's Florida. It's Florida three-star defensive backs with length uh, and athleticism and ball skills, and Zach Tobey certainly adds to that. And some confidence, too. I think that's the thing we hear about a lot with the, the Florida defensive backs is – there's some confidence there. Devin Witherspoon probably takes it to a different level entirely with his trash talking. Jeremy, I know you've written about that. But yeah, man, ho-hum. They get into Florida again. It's, just, it's been a fruitful place. And if we look at what this roster is going to need beyond this year, like this year defensive back, you don't think a lot about it, right? If you're from the outside looking in, it's like, okay, Quan Martin, yep, yep. Sidney Brown, all right, that makes sense. Devin Witherspoon, okay, what will Kendall Smith look like? Will it be somebody else? Who starts opposite? But you've got three guys who like elevate it and you think well that's you don't have to worry about that like you maybe have to worry about other positions on the field but that's going to change jeremy kendall smith is in his final year sydney brown's in his final year Quan martin is devin witherspoon will probably have some decisions to make if he plays as well as you and i think he can play and really the coaching staff he can thinks he can play and, and you've seen some scouts kind of trickling and out of illinois camp so there has to be a next wave, right? And, and I think they addressed that in the 22 class. And obviously, they're still addressing it in 23. And by the way, there's still two pretty big guys out there that they would like to add to that. And you and I believe they'll take them all if they can get a Jair Hill and a Sabor Kareem. But yeah, it, it, Toby's a good one for them. And it's a power five flip. There, there's been some discussion about is there enough in this class that ha didn't have, like there's a lot of guys in this class that didn't have a lot of power five offers. 
Zachary Toby's not one of those guys. And they flipped him from North Carolina, and I, I think it's a good flip for them. Yeah, Toby is ranked in the top 900 the last I checked, um, 845 in the country, uh, the number 69 safety. Nice, uh, according nice. to the composite. Uh, but, yeah, he had offers from Boston College, North Carolina, Arkansas, you know, Kentucky, Kansas, Iowa, Iowa State, Nebraska, Purdue, Louisville. Like These are these are good programs, right? And Illinois got in and were one of his top four schools. He also visited Boston College, UCF, and North Carolina. He visited Illinois with his teammate, Calvin Smith. Calvin, uh, they call him Trey Smith, uh, committed right after his visit. Um, Toby went to North Carolina. Figured they were the leader at the time, and North Carolina got his commitment. Uh, North Carolina was probably the biggest kind of brand that was after him, and he told me that like after the visit, he kept thinking about Illinois. That Illinois, he said, Champaign was the nicest campus he'd been to. Uh, he loved that, and more importantly, he loved Ryan Walters. And even though Ryan Walters is the safeties coach, defensive backs coach, Toby is going to play corner to start. But he's got versatility to play nickel. He could potentially play free safety as well. And that's another thing the staff is doing a lot of, finding guys that can play multiple positions. I think Jaheim Clark uh, can do that, whether it's corner or free safety as well. Um, so they are definitely doing that in this class. Canary Wiltshire, I think, can play multiple spots uh, on the defensive backfield. But he said he kept thinking about Illinois, and he said, I, I didn't want to decommit. It wasn't my plan, but ultimately I got to do what's best for me, not, not what's best for everybody else or where everybody else thinks I should go. And there was an appeal about being different. And whether Bielema comes in with all the credibility of Wisconsin, of being in the NFL, right, Illinois is still not thought of as a program that's definitely on the rise, right? It's still to most guys out there. You still have to believe in them. You still have to want to do something different. And we've seen that continue to play out in this class. Joey, whether it's Malik Elzey, which obviously is a huge target. He goes to Cincinnati, which is right now the bigger brand in college football. It's a more proven winner right now in college football. They're going to the Big 12. They have momentum. Illinois is still trying to get that momentum. So I still think getting a flip like Zachary Toby is a really good thing for Illinois when you're trying to show other people outside of winning football games that, hey, there's something going on here. There's still people that are believing in us and what we're going to do. I think it's good to flip somebody from North Carolina. I think that's a good sign. Yeah, and I think also the fact that you get a commit from Florida, this isn't like it's somebody who grew up, and there's no nothing wrong with growing up in the state of Illinois, rooting for Illinois. Illinois had success with those players. Hello, Doug Kramer. But it's not like this was like, oh, I've always dreamed of playing at Illinois. You know, come hell or high water, I'm going to commit there. I don't care if they're 1-11 and 11 or, you know, 11-1. and one. This really does show a belief that Toby had in this coaching staff. And, and frankly, Jeremy, if you're – if you're looking at how they're recruiting defensive backs, I don't want to say like just tr put all your trust in, in coaches no matter what because I think they're paid pretty well enough to to have some accountability. But you should probably trust where Ryan Walters and Aaron Henry are and Brett Bielma are are getting and how they're getting defensive yep. backs because they've got a success there and man they're going to get all the mileage out of that Kirby Joseph uh, blow up until somebody else does and they think those two guys are on the roster right now with Sidney Brown and uh Quan Martin yeah I think it's a it's a 
position they're pretty high on in the future. Like we'll, we'll talk about it later, but Tyson Rooks, they're just incredibly intrigued, ridiculously raw, but he's 6'3". They love the way he can flip his hips. Uh, probably a, a ways away from making a contribution on the field, but they think his ceiling's really high. TJ Griffin, Ryan Walter said, has great ball skills. And Matthew Bailey got some first-team reps last week. And that was that, these are guys that didn't have a lot of offers, right? Elijah McCantos was a great get last class. I think he's going to be really good. And Xavier Scott kind of reminds me of Taz Nicholson. Uh, a little bit. So, um, but this class, you get Jaheim Clark, who chose Illinois over Iowa State. Kanari Wilcher chose Illinois over Indiana. Zachary Toby, uh, who chose Illinois over North Carolina and a bunch of Power Five offers. Even though these guys aren't four stars and maybe getting the headlines of other people, these are better recruiting wins, right? Uh, then maybe it doesn't end up that way, but in recruiting wins, uh, if you're just talking about the recruitment process, you're beating bigger schools for these guys. Obviously, they think Bailey, Griffin, Rooks, McCanto, Scott can be great, uh, but those three are more the level of the McCanto's recruitment wins uh, than the previous ones. I think we're, we're quietly seeing some of that in this class, whether it's TJ McMillan, Zach Amland, right? Like the offensive line guys we liked last year, but the recruiting wins so far in this class were a little bit better. So I know it's incremental progress, maybe. Um, I know everyone wants Jair Hill and, and, and Malik Elzey and the four-star guys, but there is some incremental props, pro- progress in, in those recruiting wins in, in this class. So if you're, if you're looking for you know, signs that they're getting better, I think that's, that's a sign, especially defensive backs, man. That's a pretty good sell given what you did with Kirby Joseph. Uh, Toby said that was part of his process, seeing what they did with him in one year. And I think Quan Martin, Sidney Brown, Devin Witherspoon, all those guys had their best year last year, and all those guys are, are in line for, for big seasons this year. I, I think the defensive backs, outside of running backs, I, I feel as confident in that group probably as any on the team. And also, no, you forget, Caden Fagan was a pretty big power five yeah. recruiting win. But yeah, I, I'm with you. There's I think if you're a high school player, Jeremy, you and I, let's let's just back up a little bit. You and I have known Ryan Walters now for a year, 18 months, I don't know, whatever the case may be. He's a pretty impressive dude. Yeah. I mean, just beyond football, he's just an impressive individual to talk with. And you can see, like, there's coaches, and you've done this a lot longer. Maybe you saw it with, with Nate Shieldhouse earlier. But, like, there's people you're like, oh, yeah, that guy's going to – he's going to make a difference somewhere. He, he's kind of on the fast track. I know you and I have talked, we think Aaron Henry's in that same mold where it's like, yeah, things are, things are going to accelerate for this, this coach Kevin really Kane. quickly. Kevin Kane. Yeah. Kevin Kane. Yeah. And I, I think if you, like high school kids, prospects, recruits can read that. Like they can tell when, when things are going, like they don't have to open up ESPN and be like, Oh, wait a minute. Adam Rittenberg has Ryan Walters. It, like you can just tell. That like somebody has something, and Ryan Walters, he has that man. He he has that whole body of work, and that translates down to in the recruiting meetings, trying to get a recruit, and and you're seeing it play out a little bit, especially on the defensive backfield. Yeah, and uh, for anyone thinking, oh, does this mean they're out for Jair Hill, Sabor, Sabor Kareem? Nope, 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 nope. Illinois would take all of them. Know that for for sure. Like they would take all those guys, whether they can get all of them, that's another level. But uh, Sabor Kareem, I think Illinois has kind of been the leader for him for a while here. Joey, six three defensive back out of New Jersey. Uh, I, he's a great lacrosse player. Uh, but Duke has been very involved. Duke has five DB commits though. Uh, but some people around Sabor really interested in their academics. Uh, but uh, we'll see. He, he doesn't seem to have any kind of timeline at this point. Uh, from the last I talked to him, 
but uh, Illinois is, is in deep with him. And then Jair Hill, it's an Illinois-Michigan battle. And I know nobody wants the – like nobody kind of wants the uh, optimistic view of this probably right now, but the fact that he hasn't picked Michigan and Illinois is his top competition, that's probably a good sign. Right, and he just visited Illinois. He just visited Michigan as well, but he also has offers from some big schools, whether it's Florida State, uh, Oklahoma, Oregon. Uh, so he could take some more visits, and then Alabama and Ohio State have have checked in on him. Right, so he might be the kind of guy who wants to wait this out, see if maybe his senior year, first couple games of film, maybe one of those you know blue bloods comes along. But Illinois, I think, has done everything right in this recruitment. It's just you don't have the leverage of a of some other programs at this point, but the fact that Michigan would have leverage over you and he hasn't shut it down yet, I think that's a good sign that you're definitely a major player in this recruitment. And maybe at the moment, I think at the moment, these are my words, at the moment, if he made a decision tomorrow, I think Illinois would feel pretty good about where they are. Yeah, and I, I'm, look, let's be honest, Jeremy. You, you and I understand the importance of fan base realizes of, of Jaya Harold's recruitment. So there might be some eye rolling like, oh, okay, trying to justify it. This is a bridesmaid. But that's just the reality, dude. Yes. They have nailed they've nailed this thing, this recruitment. What they haven't done is nailed the last ten years that they don't have any control over. Like exactly. they have absolutely they've Look, nailed this thing. You can say close all the way through. You can say close it down, close it down. Well how do you do that? Right? You pressure him and then he's like, Well, they're pressuring like that could backfire. Right, so I think all you can do—you need is, him more than he needs you. Yes, like you don't want to pressure him and make him mad, and have him feel like that trust that you spent a, more than a year cultivating is just gone because you want the immediacy of a commit. And you, like you have to play this thing out. You don't want to ruin that comfort level, right? The, the comfort level that he has with you—that it's family, that it's all those things. Like the kid's going through his recruiting process who care other people might be committing but he doesn't have to he's got great options and he's gonna have great options and illinois will be there and that is the message we will be here when you are ready uh, but we think we have the best spot because of ryan walters because of aaron henry because of brett bioma because we're close to home nil would be great for you and you could be the guy right away you could be our antonio johnson Right, like he was one of the guys I was most excited about that Lovey Smith was in on, and he's proven to be a great player. Like Jair Hill gives me Antonio Johnson uh, kind of vibe. So you can't you can't probably get over aggressive if you're in Illinois' position here, but you continue to show him how much you want him and why he could be best here. That's that's what you keep selling is why this is the spot, and maybe not going to Michigan and being another guy. You'd be the guy at Illinois. Yeah, there's a way to keep your foot pretty firmly pressed on the gas of this recruitment and not take this thing into overdrive. I don't know a lot about cars. I really hope that works. I think but that like, works. There's, there's a way to... Yeah. Yeah. Neither, neither, right. neither of us are uh, gearheads, so uh, I think that worked, yeah. Uh, somebody's going to tell me it didn't, and I just can't wait for that moment. But yeah, there's, there's, again, just keep doing what you're doing, right? And keep kind of being available. Your program's available to him. He's visited a few times. Like just keep going, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I mean, I don't think any. If it doesn't work, I don't think anybody uh, can sit back and fault how Illinois approached this. And, and that's maybe someone's not going to like hearing that. Maybe it feels like carrying water. I think it's God's honest truth is they've they've done this all the way through. Jeremy reminds me of the the Shimon Cooper recruitment a little bit. 
I felt like Illinois was, was right there the entire time, but Shimon wanted his recruit, recruitment, and he had great options, and by the end, he's most comfortable with Illinois. Now, Shimon hasn't made a huge impact on the field yet, but it was a huge recruiting win. Um, so it kind of gives me those vibes uh, a little bit. Maybe Sean Miller, too. Sean Miller, you kind of had to wait uh, for that to pay off. Aiden Lawfrey kind of had to wait for that to pay off a little bit. But Ian Pugh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and ended up being pretty good for for those guys. All right, Joey. Oh yeah, go ahead. Well, real quick, we do have to say, in the time they got a commitment, they lost a commitment. Enrico Jackson. Uh, it's been about a week now, Jeremy. Yeah. Feels like it's been uh, a little bit. That that commitment happened pretty quickly. I mean, it, it was like the first. I, I think the first night of his visit, he yes. was ready to pop. And yeah. I, I don't know. Obviously, they wanted him. They took his commitment, but I don't know that the decommitment was a total shock either yeah you can you can, um, say, you can so say joey it wasn't i mean it was an impulsive commitment on a friday night of his official visit right after he'd met with the staff for like the first time in person and he committed and it's like well this guy has offers from like miami michigan didn't know how hard those schools were pushing right but then right after he commits like he's getting offers from some other sec programs like that one could be interesting to watch and you know he committed we'd heard that illinois knew they had to they had to keep recruiting him and that's true of all their class like, and we see that with Rico, right? Like, they are going to keep recruiting their commits uh, as hard as they can. Like, look what happened with North Carolina. Like, now, North Carolina, Toby was the last ranked recruit in their class, so maybe he's not a big loss for them. Uh, and they can say they mutually parted ways or whatever, but Toby decided to leave and go to Illinois. Um, so that that can happen. And certainly we're, we're seeing JoJo Hayden get offers from Missouri and, and other programs, right? So you have to keep committing those guys. But Rico is talented. Uh, I, I thought he was a little raw, but certainly very talented, big, physical offensive lineman. Um, and they got to find another one, I think. It's not the biggest need because you had five preps last year. Zy Chrysler has three years of eligibility, right? Like uh, Adams has two years of eligibility. But you want to keep building that depth and that offensive offensive line identity. And, I, I, Joey, from what we hear, they're probably going to look at, at every kind of – option right whether it's prep option that they recruited before maybe guys they evaluated but didn't push for because they got jackson on board uh, or maybe it's another juco because juco was really good for them because it looks like they're going to start two jucos on the offensive line or maybe you get in the portal and yep. there's look the, the people's so different it's still it's weird to say this but it's still like we have to remember that there's there's still a lot of years of eligibility you can get out of the transfer portal and, and maybe that'll be an option so i don't I'm with you. I don't think you have to impulsively freak out and say, oh, my God, get on the horn. we got to find somebody to commit tomorrow. I think you can let it play out a little bit, revisit some relationships you've established, see what it looks like. But, you know, it's a spot to fill, right? It's yeah. a spot to fill in the offensive line room, and, and you want to keep building. That's a position you just can't really slow up on. you got to keep turning in and out of there. Yeah, I would say if there's, you know, four needs left in this class, I'd say wide receiver's number one. Uh, number two would probably be DB because they could still get a really good one. Uh, offensive line, and I still think defensive line. I, I still think they could oh, look yeah. at defensive line in this class because I, I still just see in the really underclassmen, because I qualified Johnny Newton as Keith Randolph, like being third and fourth year guys as upperclassmen. Like Evan Kurtz, Sed McConnell, T. Rod Edwards. Uh, and then you got Harkless, who I love. I think he's the best get in this class, him and Fagan. And then Mason Moragan, who I like as a prospect, but I just think they need more. I think they need more uh, depth there, Joey. I'm with you, and we'll see how that plays out. Maybe that'll be a portal. You, but, you know, we talked about this a lot. I don't know that you can continue to 
fill there's a lot of eligibility in the portal but i think you there's still preference of the high school kids you've seen seen that play albrecht's called himself a developmental program maybe preference isn't the right word but they're not giving up on the high school route so I, yeah I, I think that's maybe even put defensive line over offensive line if you're i mean kind of nitpicking a little bit there it's pretty close yeah all right, let's focus on what we've learned so far through camp and how we're going to do this. A little bit like my VIP piece on the site, Joey, is let's break this down by positions. So I'm just going to throw out each position, and you tell me the major thing you have learned from this group, and then I'll build off that. But we'll try and give a, a little bit of – we don't need to name everybody uh, on the roster here, but just give me one big takeaway from that group that we've learned uh, in one week. So, of course, the main one – a big issue for Illinois for several years. The most important position on the field, quarterback. Go. I think this is Tommy DeVito's job. Like, I, I think I set the – we did, like, a position battle piece before camp, and was it, like, 90-10 or something, yeah. Jeremy? It was pretty high. I'd probably up that, like, 95-5 or something. I, I just think he's really running away with this thing. Yeah, I, I'm bullish on him. Um, I, I think he's really talented. I think he has all the tools. From the moment I do- dove into the Syracuse film, I you, you see every physical thing you need. Uh, he's got a strong arm. He's a good athlete. He can get out and and uh, prolong plays. I, I think Barry Lunny's going to use him well. There's going to be a lot more quick hitters. And, and from what I've seen of him live, and it's, it's limited, right, what we've seen of him live, but in the spring game and what we saw Saturday – I think he's pretty accurate, and that's something we didn't see out of Brandon Peters. And I'm not trying to like get down on Brandon Peters here, but like there's also that swagger, that confidence in Tommy DeVito that I think Illinois needs at that position. I thought Isaiah Williams brought that. I thought Riley O'Toole bought brought that. Wes Lunt and Brandon Peters just didn't have that kind of oomph. Like when they got on the field, could they lift their teammates? I think Tommy DeVito has that. Um, my questions are, can they protect him and can he stay healthy? Those are the two things. Syracuse could not protect him, so he couldn't stay healthy. Um, if they do that, I think Tommy DeVito can be a, a really solid Big Ten quarterback for Illinois. The other thing I'll mention, uh, Art Sikowski, no question, number two guy, right? I think Ryan Johnson, no question, is the number three. Uh, I, I think Donovan Leary, Kirkland, Michaud, both very intriguing prospects long-term. I think Leary's got a really nice overall skill set. Kirkland, Michaud looks the part, Joey. We haven't seen a lot of reps from him, but he certainly looks the part, has a decent arm. Uh, but I think those guys are going to need time. And they're going to need time in reps, and that, that's probably going to take a while. I'm with you. And I want to circle back real quick to the competition. because The question I, I think you and I have, and probably people following the team, is like, okay, then why hasn't Brett just named Tommy DeVito the starter well one it's one week of camp and you want you probably want to see your quarterback do this for more than one week of camp and I know he's got the summer and the spring uh, body of work but you want to give Art the chance too yeah. and I thought Brett this is just me kind of hypothesizing a little bit tell me if you agree Jeremy uh, Brett was asked about how he handles the quarterbacks last week when we talked to both Tommy and Art and he said, I just think if the quarterback ever feels like he loses his head coach, he doesn't have a chance, right? And that, like, so, so now I'm trying to dive in, like, okay, what, you know what it meant last year, right? Yeah. Like, he, he wasn't going to go out there and be like, we need more from Brandon, but the or Art, but the obviousness was they needed more from the quarterback position. But I think if he were to go out and say, Tommy's, you know, like, you want to make sure Art still feels, like, if Tommy gets hurt, 
in the next two weeks, you don't want to make Art feel like, well, okay, well, I guess I got no choice. Like, you want to be able to kind of hype these guys up as much as they can and, and see if Art can go steal it, but otherwise you want him to be ready like he was a year ago yeah. when he went in in the first half against uh, was it Nebraska. Yeah, and I think we both know Art's like the professional. He's he's going to be prepared. Like he's going to prepare pretty much the same way. But there's a mental thing of like, okay, if I do really well today, or if I do really well this week, I might have a chance at the starting job. I think everyone in that program knows Tommy DeVito, barring a terrible camp or Art Sikowski lighting the world on fire, which we haven't heard or seen. Right? Like he's going to be the starter. Like Tommy DeVito will be the starter. Um, but they got why? Why not? Like why not let this play out? Why not have competition? Tommy, you better know if you if you don't play well and perform, Art's right there. We're comfortable with Art Tukowski. Yes. Art, it's just as much about keeping Tommy, yeah, gassed up than it is about trying to pump up the people behind him. I think. Yeah, yeah. So I I, I think that's smart of anything. Like, there's obvious like, hey, sorry, Jamal Woods. We know you're not the starter. Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton are, but Devito hasn't played, and that's my only question. Like. I think DeVito, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on him relatively. If we're talking about can he be a solid Big Ten quarterback, um, I think he's got the tools. I think he's got the swagger. I think he's got the accuracy, but we got to see it when the bullets are flying on an Illinois offense that has questions around him, right? So uh, I, I think he should be an upgrade. I, I believe he'll be an upgrade, uh, but we got to see it when it comes. All right, running back, Joey. Uh, obviously one of the strengths of, of the team, and I, I don't think we've been dissuaded from that. No, dude. Chase Brown can wreck things. I don't mean like bullying into somebody. I mean like he can just take over a drive and just be a, a force. He did Saturday, right, when we saw him. He's just – he is really good. And I don't – this isn't some like, oh, the national me. I don't care about that. But I don't think he's getting enough attention outside of – you're seeing a little bit more. But, dude, he he's really, really good. And, by the way, you still Josh McCray. Yeah. Josh McCray showed a lot. Like it, this position is every bit as deep as we thought it was going to be, and it's really, really good. Yeah, I'm I'm opening up my Phil Steele magazine to see the the running backs, right? And Braylon Allen, Trevion Henderson. I don't disagree with that being first team. Um, Mo Ibrahim, Blake Corum. Don't disagree with those guys being second team. But if Chase Brown were in a Michigan uniform, would he be above Corum? I think so. I think I think I think they're similar yeah. running backs. Right? Like, that's no diss at Corum. I just think it is what it is. It's Illinois versus Michigan. Like, what Chase Brown did last year without a passing attack was unbelievable. Unbelievable. I need to pull up I need to pull up Tom Fornelli. Uh, our friend Tom Fornelli tweeted some, some stats about Chase Brown because, I mean, Chase Brown literally just saw the entire opposing team, all 100 guys in the box every single time. He looked – I mean – and why wouldn't you if you're a defense? It would be malpractice yeah. to honor the pass last year. Yeah. like, like and, and Chase Brown still played well. Yeah, like Chase isn't a, a bowling ball, but he's tough to bring down, right? Like, um, But, man, I think what's improving with him, he's certainly got the speed. He's certainly got the agility um, and the toughness. I think the patience has really helped him. We, we saw a run the other day where it was a stretch run. He waited, he waited, he waited, found a hole, hit it, gone. He's he's got that ability that if he's going to be patient like that and hit his whole man like he's got another big season like what is there would he be the third guy with thousand two one thousand yard seasons I believe in Illinois history I think so yeah I, I would need to go back and look that up I, real quick the Tom Fornelli stat Chase Brown had seventy one carries last season while facing at least eight defenders in the box eight defenders just in case anyone forgot there's eleven guys on the whole freaking defense. 
Eight defenders, and he averaged 5.96 yards per carry with 4.97 coming after contact. Yep. If Illinois can pass, like, at all, and you maybe have to get one of those defenders out of the box, Chase Brown can really do some things. Now, what does that look like statistically? I don't know that I would go higher than 1,500 yards because <laughs> you also have Josh McCray, who is, like, Josh McCray. Well, let's consider this, like – we threw out some of these numbers and some fans threw out some of these numbers. And I think Chase Brown's in for a huge year. The only guys who have run for 1400 plus at Illinois are Richard Mendenhall and Mikel Ashore freaks. I mean, they were bigger. They were just as fat. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I, I pumped the brakes on some of those things, but a thousand yard like season. Yards. Like if Chase, yards feels right. Yeah. If Chase Brown's healthy, I think he's going over a thousand yards. And the other thing is, I think he's getting more involved in the passing game. I think he's going to be much more involved. Joey, you sat next to me in the press box. I was calling for it all year. Like, if you can't pass the ball, find a way to get it to your def- your best players in space. That was Isaiah Williams, Chase Brown, Daniel Barker. And they kept doing these seven-step drops. And it was like, what is happening? Like, if, if you can't protect, uh, get it to your guys quickly in space. We saw a couple times Chase Brown on those wheel routes would get open. It's like, oh, that more, that more, or, or Daniel Parker screen pass more. Like, let's let's do some of those things. I think I think Lonnie's going to get those guys more involved, and that includes Josh McCray, who I, I think is going to be really good because I think we forget he had like two or three really good games, right? Otherwise, he was sick or he wasn't playing early in the season. Um, that was just a glimpse of what Josh McCray can do. I, I don't think we've seen the full thing and. I think he's even more confident, and, and obviously he's been in the system for a year. He just knows how to do everything better. Yeah, I would. The only stat I'm going to keep in the press box all year is Jeremy Warders. What are they doing? What is happening? <laughs> Every time I hear that, we're just going to tally it up. We'll see how many. I guess the goal would be to have less what is happening this year than you saw last year. Well, I didn't do it a lot with defense, right? After after the first three games, so uh, kudos to them. And, and I think I think the depth is good. I think Reggie loves a guy. Some people forget about. I think he can get involved at some point. But Aiden Lawfrey certainly adds speed, and uh, Jordan Anderson I think can eventually be a bell cow kind of back and in Josh McCray role. But I still think. This is just me thinking. Like I, I think he could be an H back type player. I, I th- really do. I, I think he's a very talented, skilled player. All right, wide receiver Joey. We got big questions outside of Isaiah Williams. So, what's one big thing you've learned? I think Pat Bryant. We might be sleeping on him a little bit. I, I mean, I think there's a reason he played as much as he did last. Like the stats don't bear it out, right? But let's be honest. Look around the Illinois wide receiver, and the stats don't bear really a lot out for anything last year but i think if the season started tomorrow i would feel comfortable walking into the press box being like pat ryan will be on the outside of opposite casey washington in, in those packages because obviously isaiah is in the slot and he's probably not leaving the field so it'll either be casey washington and isaiah or pat bryant but i, I just i think i think we're kind of sleeping on it a little bit i don't really have a lot to back that up which is kind of weird because i like to have things that back up when I say something like that, but I just yeah. think it's coming. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't think it's going to be some like, oh my God, statistical year, but I just think he's consistently around and he's there. And I think that's going to play out in playing time. I think he can be like Casey Washington was last year, right? Like, and he had six catches for 98 yards, I believe it was. It was a good blocker. He's just a good overall skill set. Uh, so I really like Pat Bryant. I think him and Casey Washington are similar. I think Bryant might be a. Um, a little bit more talented than him. He's a higher-ranked recruit, that's for sure. Uh, but I, I also think we've seen flashes now of Brian Hightower, man. 
Like spring game had a really good game. Um, what we saw Saturday, I was like, okay, yes. That's why I was asking, why isn't he playing more? Like what? And it seems like, you know, we heard from Tony Peterson. He was playing who he thought gave him the best chance. We've heard from George McDonald. You know, Brian knows how I coach now. Like he's responding better to that. So it seems like there was something there. There certainly was an injury last year that slowed him down as well. But it just feels like the staff is saying better things about Brian. We haven't been able to talk with Brian quite yet, but he's talented and he's big and physical and they need that. So it's a group. I don't have a, a load of confidence in Joey, uh, but Jonah Morris had size. Cody Case adds some speed, adds a little bit of depth. I like the young guys coming into this room. I think they got bright futures. I think Hank Beatty and Sean Miller could play right away. The competition's getting better here. The talent is getting better here. I think there's enough because I think Isaiah Williams is going to have a monster year. I, I think he's going to put up huge numbers if he's healthy. I think there's enough here, but they need one of those guys to be reliable. I think Casey they like because he's reliable. Can Pat Bryant... Brian Hightower, if either of those guys are reliable, I think there's enough here. Yeah, I think that's what we need to talk – like when we talk about the Illinois receivers, that's the question. Is there enough? Like because it's not going to be th- this coming season, probably not next season, the most talented wide – even in the top half of the most talented wide receiver groups in the Big Ten. Like that, that's going to take some time to get there. And I like the way they're recruiting that. But I, is there enough? And I, I'm with you. I think I, I really, really wish, Jeremy, that even dating back to the spring game, we could see more Sean Miller. Yeah. Because I, I just keep thinking that, like, man, you need a polished receiver, somebody who's just, you know, like I think we heard them praise him at IMG and, and kind of how he came in prepared. It's just it's hard to go all the way full bore, like, hey, 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 because – he did miss the spring game and he's been recovering from I think Brett Bielma said it was a collarbone yeah. injury and he's been in a green practice jersey the times we've seen him but I I think he could be that guy where it's like October 1st and it's like wait a second here he comes like this is maybe this is something so I I just wish that injury wouldn't have happened because it would be easier to project out a little bit. But I also think it's good that if you have a Bryant you have a Hightower if those guys step up you don't have to rely on Sean Miller to make a huge impact. So I think that could be uh, interesting. Tight end. They lost Daniel Barker. I'm not sure they think they got worse at this position because Luke Ford, they're trying to get it out of him, right? We all think there's really high ceiling. I'm I'm driving the Tip Ryman train. Like I I am conducting that. Um, The things you hear about him, the the way they put him out there to us, uh, the reps he's getting in practice, He's, he's 1A, 1B with Luke Ford in that tight end room. Like, you, you see Tip Ryman on the field, guys. He looks like an Iowa tight end. Like, if you saw him in an Iowa uniform, you'd be like, yeah, that guy looks like he belongs. Uh, I think Tip Ryman is going to be a huge part of this offense. I don't know how many catches that comes out to, but he's a great blocker. I think he's a capable receiver, and they love his approach to everything. So, uh, after that's probably Michael Marques, but I think Tip Ryman is a player that Illinois fans – Need to know. I think he's going to be a huge part of what they do offensively. Well, I really wish you were going to ask me the big takeaway so I could have stolen this tip <laughs> rhyme and thunder since you've been driving the, the uh, hype train with him. But I'm with you. I mean, it's it's legit. I, I mean, Brett Bielema, just think back to the spring. Because like in the spring, it was like, oh, 
all right, but it, like the speed hadn't really got moving on the hype train yet. But he would say things like he changed his body so much, and like you, you would just hear about how he approaches it, and like okay, let, let me just store that one away. And, and then fall camp came, and, and even in the summer when we talked to Brett Bielma, it's like okay, like that that meant something. That wasn't just hey, Tip did this five minutes ago when pra- before practice ended. Now I I'm bringing it to the media thing. Like it carries something. Yeah, and sometimes there's like the cute walk on story, right? Where where they contribute, they find a way to get on scholarship. There's a few guys, and we'll get to one at linebacker too, that it's different. The way they talk about him is he, he's on scholarship continually, uh, but that he's going to be a big part of this. And tip for people that don't know, Rod Smith recruited him out of South Dakota, was like 210 pounds when he was a, a high school prospect, but, but came into Illinois and just committed himself to the weight room. He's at about 50 pounds, and he looks like Ivan Drago. Um, he's just he's just really impressive and everything you hear about his work ethic his focus is 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 great so uh, I think he's going to play a big role he's a great blocker for him last year when he came in caught a touchdown pass against Minnesota uh, so I think he's he's really capable and I think you're going to see a lot of Luke Ford in him on the field uh, and then the freshmen are really intriguing right I, I, I think you know Henry Boyer they love the size Navy on Cargill looks the part uh, of you know a raw but probably talented hybrid receiver and Owen Anderson's a little bit in between so I think that group can eventually be good but I don't, maybe one of them plays maybe one of them finds a rotational role this year yeah I, I guess my initial thought in the spring was maybe that'll be Owen Anderson but Brett Bielman's really talked about Henry Boyer quite a bit a lot and a, a lot and it's kind of his makeup and the I, let's call it a skirmish with Gabe Ackes because I don't when I hear fight I, I'm picturing like a fight. I, I don't know. Uh, let's call it a skirmish with, with him and in, in summer workouts because they like took each other's reps. I'm like, oh, all right. Like Brett Bielema has mentioned him a few times. So he, I, I, I maybe think he could be that guy because his his pass catching game. Like everyone saw his friends, like fans, us to some degree saw him, like left tackle, huh? But. Like he, he can catch the ball too, and I think yeah. that might be overlooked a little bit. Yeah, six six two sixty five already, and I'm sure the Boyer fan, uh, Boyer family, sick of hearing about his future at left tackle. But hey, if it is, like there's there's a lot of money at left tackle, by the way. But because of that, I think he can be a jumbo blocker this year, and I agree. I think he's a better athlete than maybe even we gave him credit for. Just seeing him run mm-hmm. around the other day, um, he doesn't look like a just a jumbo tight end who's a pseudo offensive lineman extra offensive lineman he looks like he's he's a pretty good athlete as well so yeah uh they've been impressed uh pleasantly impressed by henry boyer so far all right let's switch to the offensive line joey um big questions once the season was done obviously alex palcheski coming back is big for them but what is your biggest takeaway so far i don't want to say the five is set because i think there's still competition at right guard but I, there, to me, there's like the six. There, there's a top six, and then there's the field. And the top six is Alex Palcheski, Alex Pilstrom, Jordan Slaughter, Isaiah Adams, Zy Chrysler, and Julian Pearl. Uh, and I think what we're seeing more and more, Jeremy, is the right guard competition is coming down to Zy Chrysler and Jordan Slaughter. Because I, I feel like Isaiah Adams. He, he could probably move to right. Like, if Jordan Slaughter wins, could he go to left, Isaiah Adams to right? Sure. Like, that that's on the table. But, I like, those two, to me, are competing for that fifth spot. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, – I think Isaiah Adams is a wrap for, for the starting spot. Uh, Alex Postrom seems like a wrap 
for center. I, I'm really interested to see Pilstrom um, because he struggled with snapping in the spring game, but the staff's putting a lot of faith in him, right? They didn't go get a guy to start right away at center like they considered. They saw enough from Pilstrom, um, who's, who struggled. I mean, he's mentioned this. He struggled with confidence at, at times. Being a former walk-on tight end, do I belong here? But the center, there's a lot on the center in this offense and any, really any offense, but he's got to make the call, play calls, and he's got to be good. Uh, I, I think they're hoping he can be a solid starter for them. But I, that's going to be interesting going in the first three weeks of the season, the non-conference for me, or even Indiana game, is is to see, does Pilstrom really assert himself? But I think he's asserted himself as a starter, that's for sure. I still got, I got a depth question for this year. I really do. Um, you know, the guys after it, Slaughter, I think he can be fine. I think he's a good sixth guy on the interior. He's taking some snaps at center, which is intriguing. I think Josh Kroots is, is obviously undersized, um, but I, I just love him makeup-wise. I think he's a nasty player. I think he could fill in in a pinch at center. I think Zach Barlev can fill in a pinch. I don't know if those guys are coming in and you're not taking a step down, though, right? Like Most backups you are, but I'm concerned about just depth if you have an injury or two. And, and that's true of most positions on Illinois, which is still the big problem about the program and why this is going to take some time. But there's still, for me, depth questions. Because I got questions about Pilstrom. I got questions about Chrysler and Slaw. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of these guys who are in the starting lineup are in the starting lineup for the first time at Illinois as, like, the full-year starter. So if those guys struggle or if they get hurt, what's behind them? Uh, I am very high on Julian Pearl, by the way. Uh, I think he's going to have a really good year at left tackle. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think you can go glass half full and say – some of that depth, not offset completely, but the versatility yeah. and the guys who can play multiple positions, you could probably withstand one. Yeah, so let me explain that, Joey, because Isaiah Adams is the backup swing tackle. Right, right now, Tommy Cronin and Josh Geske are taking the, the second string tackle spots. Uh, those guys aren't going to be the, the third tackle, right? That, that's Isaiah Adams. And Slaughter could probably come in and play center. Right, if you need a bigger offensive line, that that's certainly a big takeaway. Is, is a much bigger offensive line, that's for sure. Yeah, the slaughter at center is interesting because, as of like a month ago, you and I were not of the belief that that was maybe something that was on the table. So either we were kind of duped a, a little bit, or or he's come along in, in that field, which I think is an entirely possible thing. But yeah, I think you have six. You could throw bar liver recruits like. You probably have seven or eight guys that if you get beyond them, okay. Like, you might be in for it a little bit. Your, your question about protecting Tommy DeVito looms quite large. But I think there's so much, so many different ways they can mix and match that you can deal with some of it, but certainly not much. And depth is that's still something to be built. And they're trying. I mean, they, yeah. they addressed it intermediate, short, long term, but still, still some ways to go there. Just to be clear, like, they have made huge strides at this position from where I thought they'd be in December. I thought this was going to be one of the biggest weaknesses on the team. The fact that Isaiah Adams and Crystal, you can plug in as starter, and Alex Palczewski is back, feel way better about the position. I, I feel pretty good about the starting five. Like, I think they'll be pretty yeah. good. But depth just is, is a huge issue for, for Illinois for many years. So if they do have one or two injuries, it, it will be a concern. All right, defensive line, Joey. We know Johnny Newton. We know Keith Randolph. Going to be really good. Uh, we know they're probably not going to come off the field very much. But what's your biggest takeaway otherwise? 
Well, at the risk of just sounding like the exact same thing we said for the offensive line, the big takeaway is has Calvin Avery taken that step and turned into the four-star pro- playing like the four-star prospect that he was? Because if he does, he plays at nose guard, which is where they really, really need somebody to take up and, and step into that role. And they brought competition. But you've heard some pretty good reviews on Calvin Avery down 20 pounds. That that's something to really, really monitor, Jeremy, because I thought he played well at times down the stretch last season. He's always showing flashes, man. It's just can he can he sustain it? And I I hate I almost want to talk to Calvin about like, do you ever get sick of people talking about your weight? Right? Like I, I feel bad about talking about it, but it has held him back. Like it had, and and the fact that JMO came out, Terrence Jamison, and said he's lost thirty pounds, and he's rapping with the first team, and they're saying good things about him. Now, JMO made sure to use the qualifier. We keep pushing him, we keep pushing him, but it's time. And I asked JMO about that. Like, does it seem like he knows this is it? Like, this is this is the last year to to live up to that. And if you want a football future, you got to put it on the field this year. Uh, so that's encouraging. I, I think that's really encouraging that to hear that because um, I don't think you hear the same thing about Virtus Brown quite yet. And they added competition. T. Rod Edwards, you can tell Jamo loves him, loves his work ethic, loves his motor, all of that. Rashawn Wilkins, they bring in. They brought in two guys to compete with Calvin Avery and Virtus Brown, and it does seem like it's revved up Calvin Avery a little bit. So I'm not expecting Calvin Avery to play 60 snaps a game, but can he give you 35? really good reps at nose guard because we know he's talented enough we know it um the question is can he be consistent and i can't wait to talk to calvin if we get a chance to talk with calvin just to talk about what this process has been like and what this opportunity is like because roderick perry came in and stole his job as a transfer from south carolina state so um i feel good about the depth they have at nose guard i'm not as quite sure uh behind johnny newton and keith randolph i think those guys are really important but i think adding competition was great here yeah, I do too, and I they needed to, right? I mean, I don't think any of us are we're shocked when we saw them get in the portal and and start adding some guys. I think adding two guys was told us a lot where they are. But yeah, I, again, it's the same thing I thought offensive line wise. Jeremy is okay. I, I I think you have to feel good about Keith Randolph. You have to feel good about Johnny Newton. You're starting to hear some good vibes about Calvin Avery. Obviously, T. Rodwood's got a lot of buzz. But, man, what happens beyond them, right? And what happens if if Keith Randolph or Johnny Newton have to miss time or, dude, it's going to be really, really hot early? Like, what happens if you've got to maybe expand your rotation a little bit? So I think that's still going to continue to be a concern, I think. And maybe Rashawn Wilkins or T-Rod Edwards, when T-Rod Edwards returns, can, can be back up to those guys. But you got to hope for health at the defensive line spot and you've probably got to hope for one other guy beyond let's let's put calvin in the mid, like one other guy to kind of step up yeah my the line i wrote was did the law firm add another partner because if you can add calvin avery i mean because let's be honest like calvin avery uh Virtus brown johnny newton keith randolph they were all great recruiting wins for Illinois. Lovey Smith recruited this position pretty well and i'll include moses akpala in there who medically retired from football but like that there was some talent there. He left Brett Bielma with some talent, and Johnny Newton and Rashawn and uh, uh, Keith Randolph. You saw them take those steps last year. Think of Calvin, man. Like that's a Big Ten quality offensive line or defensive line. Like that. That is that's a talented Big Ten defensive line. 
All right, kind of sticking in the defensive front, Joey, outside linebacker, uh, a deeper group. I think we think it's going to be a talented group for a while because Kevin Kane's done a really nice job in recruiting. But what's your takeaway on what is a new group with Isaiah Gay and Owen Carney gone? One, I think Seth Coleman is kind of on the verge here uh, of taking a, a good step forward, a big step forward. We saw it in flashes last season. Two, I I know they're, they're excited or they believe they have the depth, but I just don't feel like it's as proven. And even though it was a new position for Owen Carney and a new position for Isaiah Gay last year, they had five years or four years of college football snaps and experience, and they played – especially Owen all season and Isaiah Gay down the stretch, like you got good production out of those guys. Who is the other side of Seth Coleman? We think it's going to be Ezekiel Holmes, but there's other options there. Could it maybe be uh, Alec Bryant? Could it, I just don't, I don't know what to make of it beyond Seth Coleman. And some of that's probably, frankly, Jeremy, we just haven't seen it. The opportunities just haven't existed to this point, but until we see it, that's going to be in my mind. Yeah. I think there's talent here, right? I, I don't think there's a talent deficiency. Um, that's for sure. There's just not a lot of experience outside of Seth Coleman. I think Seth Coleman, if I think a lot of Illini fans know him, right? But the casual Illini fan, like I wrote one day for my Devin Witherspoon story, why you should know, why the casual Illini fans should know more about Devin Witherspoon. Because while I know hardcore Illinois fans know all about him, he's been good for a couple of years. I don't know if the casual fan like knows that Devin Witherspoon is really good and that he could be a star this year. It's the same thing with Seth Coleman. I think enough people that are hardcore fans like, oh, 24-7 sports had him as a top 300 prospect, right? Like he played and started some games last year. But I don't know if the casual fan who just shows up on Saturdays, watches on Saturdays, hopes they win. I don't know if they know a lot about Seth Coleman. He's got all the tools, all the tools. And I think we've seen the flashes of brilliance when he started some games. But as Kevin Kane said, he got Wally pipped, got hurt. And then Isaiah Gay came in after getting benched and played the best football of his career. I thought Coleman could have started last year and been just fine. Um, and I, I think this year he's in for a really big year. I think he's got NFL potential. Ezekiel Holmes, I feel it's like he could be a solid starter. Can Alec Bryant be better? Like, that's the question. Can Gabe Ackes eventually be better? Like, I think Gabe Ackes can play right away. I think Jared Beatty could play right away if he stayed healthy. We just haven't seen him stay healthy through a camp yet. He, he's kind of been limited both in the spring uh, with a knee injury and, and now through training camp starting now. So I think both those guys could do it. But I'm getting the feeling it's a, it's a Holmes-Bryant battle, right? And, and Bryant has no experience. Holmes does have experience. Both really physically impressive-looking guys. Uh, but they're trying to take that Owen Carney role. I think Seth Coleman is the, the noisemaker of this group, and I think he's really important to what they do. Yeah, I think I, I'm with you, and we still haven't seen Alec Bryan, the limited bit we've seen, Jeremy, and spring game included, so we have to kind of piece together. We haven't seen Alec Bryant go with the first team much, and I don't know if that is, you know, is it trying to light a fire in him? Is it because Ezekiel Holmes is just head and shoulders, or just not, maybe not head and shoulders, but above him? So I, I'm with you. I think it's those two for now, because I, I just, I can't get rid of the feeling. I don't think Gabe Ackes is far. And I think maybe as you get four games and maybe you try to get him out there in some reps, I just in six weeks, what does that look like? Six weeks after Wyoming, what's that look like? Can Gabe Ackes find his way in there? Because I've said this before and I don't mean this as a slight to DJ Johnson by any stretch because 
he was fine as a true freshman. You know, as fine as a true freshman can be. Gabe Ackes physically looks more ready to walk out there right now. Let's just put the numbers out there. DJ Johnson was 215 pounds. Gabe Ackes is 265, and he looks 240. Because he's just a rock. (laughs) DJ Johnson, a rock, yeah. I so I oh come on man so so yeah I I think for right now that's it but Akis like if if we did a maybe this is a story Jeremy someone can take this when they listen to this who is the candidate by like the second bye week to come out of that as like an, an emerge in the rotation further yeah like who are those because right now I think it's Gabe Akis would be that player for me and there's probably some other ones out in the mix Aiden Lawfrey could be in there Sean Miller whatever the case may be I was, I was about to me. do I was about to do like a, a I was going to do this towards the end let's do a freshman that we think can can make an impact at some point during the season but yeah but I think Gabe I think would that, be high I think on that my list. list he'd be high on mine too but I think that list changes depending on what point of the season we're talking about because yeah. I think he is a candidate for mid-year holy crap he came out of nowhere or you know to get in the rotation like i think that could be him yeah as he just acclimates to it a little bit more yeah i mean would it surprise you like if he was the number four outside linebacker in this group oh no no, no. like shaman cooper's taking second team reps but compared to these other guys he's undersized right and out Beatty looks great i just he hasn't practiced a lot it seems like all right moving on to linebacker i think you feel pretty good about the top two calvin hart jr even though he's only a very small sample size is a great sample size uh, in the Nebraska game last year. Tariq Barnes, kind of an unsung hero, playing two positions last year. What do you think of this group, Joey, that uh, otherwise doesn't have a lot of experience? Well, in my mind, I still think of it as a top two because, one, you see primarily they play two linebackers together. But I think of talking to people, top three feels more – Right, because th- there's some there's some confidence brewing in Isaac Darkangelo, former walk-on Division II player. He, both Ryan Walters and Andy Boo ha- have raved about how fast he is. And so I think he is probably more in that top conversation, top three it would be, than I would have thought coming into fall camp that I would have thought after spring ball. He's just – He's really there, and he's he, he's not going away, it doesn't seem like. And that, that seems to be a pretty clear-cut top three to me. Yeah, he was kind of the tip Ryman of the defense for me. They talk about how he's one of the fastest guys, a linebacker. And they have a pretty fast linebacking core. Like I think they're definitely adding speed to this group, which they need. I thought, I thought Lovey had some guys who were – you know, pretty good athletes, but you know, dating back to like the Beckman era, there was good linebackers, but um, not that fast. I think this group certainly has speed. Like I think Kanana Odaluga looks the part. Um, Dylan Rosiak is with the second team, and I'm high in the future of Malachi Hood and James Crutes. Crutes is just, I mean, he's a Crutes. Plays with his hair on fire. Uh, Malachi Hood looks so good. He's just gonna need some time to develop. But Dark Angelo, I think they've bet a lot on him. Right, he's on scholarship. Uh, they didn't go get a linebacker when we thought after Kalon Tolson transferred, surprise or not transferred, but entered the NFL draft, surprisingly, that they might go get a linebacker. They didn't. I think that says what they feel about Dark Angel and then to some extent, Rosiak and Odaluga. But uh, talking with Andy Boo, they have confidence in Dark Angel as a starter that if Calvin Hart gets hurt or Tariq Barnes get hurt or they need a blow, that Dark Angel can, could be the player. And former D2 transfer, I think that says a lot. So while that could make fans uneasy we got questions about it the staff is really really confident in him 
Yeah, at some point, we should discuss who's more overlooked on this defense. Quan Martin, we'll get to him. Or Tariq Barnes. Because Tariq Barnes has been pretty freaking reliable for them and, and playing multiple positions. People maybe don't want to hear this. This is a pretty good find by Miles Smith late in the process uh, when he landed him out of Memphis. But yeah, I, there, there's some quiet, I don't even know if it's quiet confidence, but you can feel the confidence that they're having in that linebacker room. And and Andy Boo, don't, dude, Andy Boo is a sitting defensive coordinator. Like he's been a defensive coordinator in Power Five football. That's a pretty good dude to have leading your position group there. And, and, and you're seeing that and in, in maybe some of the development of these guys, even if it's not James Cruz and Malachi Hood weren't major power five recruiting wins, but there's an excitement there and you're, you're seeing some of that confidence start to come out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think boo maybe doesn't get enough credit for what happened last year. You lose Jake Hansen and CJ Hart to season ending the injuries. Those guys combined for six combined starts or seven. And you still had pretty good linebacker play on uh, what was a really strong defense. So kudos to Boo for that development. All right, cornerback. Devin Witherspoon's really good. Uh, I I almost had to be reminded when I saw the stat the other uh, day that he had eight tackles for loss. He reminds me of Nate Hobbs with the way he comes up and runs support. And then he's a pretty good cover corner. Uh, he had a really good year last year, great end of the year for Devin Witherspoon. What do you make of the rest of this group, Joey? I think it's Taz Nicholson on the other side. And I'll tell you, like, I think, Jeremy, you and I are probably in the same spot on this. I don't know that I was that confident about that after spring ball. Like, we had talked several times, like, boy, they should probably try to find a corner in the portal. Maybe they had to do that. They, they didn't. They did go get Terrell Jennings. But that wasn't a power – like, they didn't take him from Power 5 program. They took him from a D2 Minnesota State program. He's on campus now, by the way. He's, he was repping what we saw with the second team. So I think he's going to push Taz Nicholson. But they're rolling with what they got there, man. And it's I, – I think it's Taz's to lose. I, I've cooled down a little bit. I know I've shared with you. I thought Elijah McCantos, I was all the way – you know, going by, you know, we'll see. He's coming off, you know, he had surgery uh, when he first got here. But I don't, I, I still question depth opposite Witherspoon. Yeah. But they seem, Aaron Henry seems very, very confident. I think we're going to learn a lot about Taz Nicholson in the first three games, <laughs> right? If you're an opposing defensive coach, you got to throw the ball against Illinois. Who are you going to throw it at? It's going to be Taz Nicholson. It's going to be the guy who's unproven. Like, you're not going to throw it at Quan Martin and uh, Sidney Brown and, and Devin Witherspoon. Maybe you attack Kendall Smith, but the corner you'd rather go at is Taz Nicholson. So it's going to be a baptism by fire. And last year he played 200 snaps. Like, he started a couple games as Tony Adams was benched at one point, where, again, he came back and had the best ball of his career. Uh, Taz wasn't ready. Um, and, and the coaching staff knows that, but they wanted to see what they had. But he seems to have gained confidence. He's gained a lot of strength. But I think we're going to learn a lot about him. I think that's a big question mark of the defense is that other corner spot is Taz. So um, if he struggles, I think Jennings gets a shot. He, he gives him length and some physicality. Tyler Strain is a name to know. Uh, Aaron Henry talks pretty positively about all his guys, but um, he said he said Strain had a fabulous first week. And I still wouldn't go all the way empty on your Elijah McCantos hype. Like I, I, oh, yeah. I, I think he's one guy that, as you talked about with Akis, four or five weeks into the season, kind of like Devin Witherspoon's first year, he reminds me of Devin with his confidence. He's, he's, he's kind of skinny, but he's not afraid to hit like he's 200 pounds. Um, we saw that. We saw that yeah. in the open practice. Yeah. 
So I, I wouldn't cool completely. I, that's a guy that mid-year we could be talking about is, is potentially making a, a rotation role. All right, safety, I think you feel great about this position, um, both for the present and for the future. Sidney Brown's one of the best players in the team, and the coaching staff will tell you Quan Martin's right there with him. Plays nickel. Some people might qualify as a corner, but he practices with the safeties. And then Kendall Smith seems like he's solidified a, a starting spot. Um, so I think the questions are, are kind of what's behind them, right? Because, I mean, Kendall Smith is a question, even though he's a 60-year player. But I think the big questions are about depth behind them, if Sidney Brown or Quan Martin or Kendall Smith misses time. Yeah, also with Quan, I think there are packages. If you just go two safeties without a slot, the Quan can go back and play free safety. Like I, I and Ryan Walters has raved about his versatility and really allowing them to do a lot of things. Like I think he's tremendously overlooked as he continues to be, but he, he's awfully good and they're not hiding it. But yeah, what, what's behind them? We learned recently that Matthew Bailey is, is somebody to know. Probably sooner, Jim. Let's be honest, dude. Sooner than we probably thought we would need to really. <laughs> That's not fair to know. say. That's fair. I mean, think think about Matthew Bailey's story. Um, and we covered it when he was recruited. He came on a visit, uh, one of those workouts after COVID, because you couldn't go to these camps and stuff during the spring because the recruiting was shut down. And he worked out for the staff. Like Malachi Hood did one of these, impressed the staff, got an offer. Matthew Bailey came here after a track meet, after a three hour drive from Moline. And he struggled. Like he said it himself. Like I did not perform well, um, and he didn't get an offer. But Pat Ryan, the Illinois director of high school relations in Illinois, longtime Metamora coach, kept on him, kept watching him, kept getting him filmed to the to the coaches. And Ryan Walters was not at that workout. And Ryan went and saw him during the evaluation period, liked his film, uh, saw him during the evaluation period, thought he was a good athlete, and, and he's a great kid, uh, really intelligent. And, and they took a chance on him, and he was taking first-team reps on Saturday when Sidney Brown was just uh, out with a cautious uh, thing for the, for the athletic trainer. So, um, yeah, Matthew Bailey, too deep, potentially one snap away from being a starter. That'd be that, – that's a – those are the fun camp developments. Like, oh – Mike Dudek is a star. Oh, Matthew Bailey is repping with the first string today. Those are, those are the things I like being able to see and, and parlaying to the fans here. Yeah, I mean, before we saw Matthew Bailey do anything, like if you would have been like, hey, what happens if there's an injury? And I would still lean into these guys and say Prince Green, Keontae Curry. But I would not have picked Matthew Bailey. I'm sure confident in saying you wouldn't, and none of us who cover the team daily would have, would have said that. But this is – this is the Walters effect, man. And there's still one away. The, the, the big one, they, Jair Hill, we covered that at length. But there's something about him that recruits are, are just, one, his success and his development. And it, he, he's captivating, man. And you're seeing that play out on the recruiting trail. And he, you're seeing really an eye for talent. I mean, if you would have overlooked Matthew Bailey, no one would have blamed him. Would you? No one would have been like, oh, my God, what – now, in four years, had he gone like to a Big Ten school, which really wasn't much on the radar, you would have said, boy, what an overlooked mistake. But no one would have said that. No one would have said that if he didn't go to Moline. And you credit to Pat Ryan for that as well. So I, I just think like, for as long as Ryan Walters is in Champaign, that is a position room that is is going to be pretty solid, we we think. And the, the question I have is it just it feels like offensive line a little bit last year, Jeremy, where it's like you've got all these – veteran fifth year six year guys and then it's like what happened between yeah. there because you don't have a lot 
in between those fifth and sixth year guys and those first and second year guys. Well, a couple bad recruiting classes happened uh, under Lovey Smith. Yeah, I mean, I, when I, it was, I didn't mean what happened. We all know what happened. Right. Like, there's, like, there's just some similarities there, I think, between yeah. the line last year and the safety room this year. Yeah, and I think there's some talent. Solo Turner adds some experience. I, I think adding Solo told me something maybe about Prince and Keontae. They didn't think those guys were quite ready. Um, but Keontae Curry's repping at free safety. Prince Green, a little bit of strong from what we saw. I still think those guys are talented, but maybe you need to be more consistent. That's what Ryan told me the other day. Um, and then TJ Griffin, they like as a free safety eventually. So I think that's a good room. I, I think safety, you feel, is one of the better positions on the defense. All right, let's wrap it up with specialist talk, Joey. One of our favorite things. Biggest takeaway, kicker, punter, long snapper. Run. It's a, like, that, that, I didn't really buy that. It was much of a competition before. Hugh Robertson's going to be the punter. I hope some national media picks up on the fact that old man Hugh is back there punting footballs for Illinois and Caleb Griffin's going to be the kicker. Like I, that's Brett Bielma said the first day of camp, those guys had a leg up on it. <laughs> and I, I don't think that has changed. And I'm pretty confident in saying that hasn't changed. And I think Aiden Hall is going to be the long snapper. I know we have some, some pretty passionate long snapper fans in, in the Illinois fan base. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be Aiden Hall who's going to have that job and, and we'll see from there, but it just feels you got to worry about it again because you haven't had to worry about it for five years. But maybe not even worry. There, there are going to be new faces, and you just yeah. don't have as much of a body of work as what to expect. You probably want to talk about the returners. Yeah, I will. Returners. I will. But let me talk about the specialists for a second. Um, I, I think this is a this is a big deal. Like this this is a really big deal. And I know we kind of joke about specialists, but Illinois has been spoiled, man, for the last several years. James McCord has been one of the better kickers. I'd say a top five kicker in the Big Ten, top six kicker in the Big Ten. Um, and Blake Hayes has been one of the top three kickers for five straight years, and, or punters for the last five years. Like, you have to replace those guys. And I think Hugh Robertson they feel comfortable with as a punter. Is he going to be as good as Blake? Maybe not. Great story from Australia as well, 29 years old. But he looks pretty good. Like He looks like a capable Big Ten punter. Not going to probably be as good as Blake Hayes, but looks good. Caleb Griffin hasn't been as maybe running away from with this job yet, but it seems like he's got it uh, over Will McManus and Fabrizio Patone. But he's got some experience. And listen, I don't know if there's many people on this team I like covering more than Caleb Griffin, but he's got to prove it, right? And it's been shaky at times through the last year. That matters when you're going to be in close games in the Big Ten West. So in long step, Ethan Tabell barely ever had a bad snap, right? And I was sitting there with Michael Martin, former long snapper with Illinois. And, you know, I just see a snap go back and don't see a difference. Like Michael's got now, ah, that one was a little wobbly. This one, not as good. Um, so it was interesting hearing him, but I think Aiden Hall's got that one. But a team that had a lot of close games last year and had good specialists, this matters. And this is a, this could sway some games. And for a team that like, if you're between picking five wins or six wins or seven, like the specialists could play a huge role in that. I add, and no, I, I didn't think about this until now. Now I'm remembering seeing some uh, field goal practice. You got a new holder, too. Blake was a pretty good holder, and it looks like it's gonna, you're going to keep with the punter as the yep. holder, Hugh Robertson deal. But that's also, just put that in the back of your mind, like there's a whole new operation, and you have new everything. And then the, will it matter? I don't know. If you're Illinois, you sure as heck hope it doesn't. But like, that's another element into this. Yeah. And then returner. 
I think the news is Isaiah Williams is probably going to be the punt and kick returner on this team. Like Sean Miller's in the mix, Cody Case is in the mix, other guys are in the mix. But I know you're going to talk to Snyder and Bielema more about this this week. But Bielema has talked about how Snyder likes Isaiah Williams back there. Isaiah Williams talked to me about, you know, he likes the idea of returning. I think it's great for his NFL stock. It's just the the philosophy of do you put a starter and very important player uh, out there to be risked due to injury? Um, but if he's the best at what they do, I can get I get the argument for it because I think he could be really really good at it. Yeah, there's also the philosophy. Like, there's so much to unpack in this, Jeremy. Which is it, this is like a deep deep dive after we got over our holder and long snapper discussion. Uh, what, what's the philosophy? Because last year we saw a lot of fair catch, don't don't risk anything, fair catch, and get the offense out there. Does that change when you have someone like Isaiah Williams? who can be back there, Cody Case, who can be back there and and really flip momentum? Like, how does what's the approach there? There's, is it a different approach? I don't know. Like, maybe last year, Brett Bielema thought the best case was just you have Donnie Navarro, waved everybody, catch the ball, and don't, like, low-risk, high-reward type deal. High-reward in the sense it's not a turnover. But, like, man, that there's so much layered in there. Yeah, did he do that because he felt like he had no one else could who could catch the ball and is that, run? Or is that what he believes? Yeah, or is that, like, is he more, you know, hands-off with that? Like, I looked back at his Wisconsin days, and he had one year where Jared Aberdares, who was one of their top wide receivers and played in the NFL for your Packers, um, was he kept catching passes from Ro- – yeah, he was a Rodgers guy, right? Um, that was a long time ago. But he had Aberderis return kicks. Like Melvin Gordon, when he was a freshman, was returning kicks. Like, but Melvin Gordon wasn't the go-to running back at that time. It was Monty Ball and James White, and then Melvin Gordon, which is just ridiculous. So he's got a little history of doing that, but it felt like he maybe had a backup most of the time that he felt was the best option as well as a returner. If he thinks Isaiah Williams, who happens to be his number one option in the passing game, is also his best kick returner, punt returner, that's not rare. I mean, we've seen some other teams put their best guy back there too. Yeah, I mean, the the risk of injury is probably low because if things – like Isaiah Williams is a really smart football player. If he looks up and things look like they can go south real fast, he's just going to wave to everybody and get the uh, – you're just going to avoid the problem there. So I don't know. I, I, I'm so fascinated by that. Because we just haven't seen really a robust kicker punt return game at Illinois in a while. Who was the last good? When I say good, like remember this is relative, right? Like when I first got on the beat, do you remember Jordan Holmes? I thought he was a good punt returner. Yeah, I think he tore up his knee, and but like you, we just haven't seen that. Yeah, I mean, kick returner Dre Brown had a good year. Dre right? Brown was really good, and he was really smart. Really, really smart as a returner. But other than that, it was Vangelo Bentley, and Vangelo Bentley was a starting cornerback. So, like, yeah, that was nine, ten years ago. Vangelo Bentley was turning punts and kicks for Illinois, but he was a starting cornerback. It was really important for Illinois, but he was really good. He was really good. He returned a kick and a punt for a touchdown return. All right, Joey, any big takeaways before we get out of here? Well, I was promised before we recorded you were going to ask me my favorite in honor of Zachary Toby committing to Illinois. So for anyone who sucked through the last hour and 15 minutes, there's nuggets at the end. Yes. But since you screwed screwed up royally. Well, can I I, I pose you with the question just to whiteboard this? Well, I was going to reverse it. I was going to reverse it and ask you first, and I was going to 
No. Well, obviously, fix your bad faith. I don't. I don't have one uh, right now. At the time, That's I had, so, so I, I need you to vamp. I need you to vamp while I figure mine out. Uh, so yeah, Zach Toby committed. I got sidetracked, and sometimes you start. You have these plans of what you're mm-hmm. going to do on a podcast. You just totally forget. And uh, so, yeah, I was going to ask Joey, huge Office fan. Uh, since we're talking about Toby and Zach Toby, what is your favorite Toby Michael interaction in the office? I got, and I'm sure I'm going to be mad that I miss one later, but during the Christmas episode, I think Toby asked Michael to sign something and Michael signed it and just threw the pin at his forehead, which is, I don't even think he said anything. I just think he threw it back. Or I mean, the easy one is who do you think you are? What gives you the right of all the idiots and all the idiot villages? You stand alone, which I like. That's a hard one to top. I'm gonna get that on a T-shirt if anyone wants to make me a T-shirt. Is, isn't 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 the continuation of that like? Why do you choose to be the way that you are? Like, isn't that the other part of it? It's like sitting on Pam's desk, just staring at. Him. Of all the idiots, you stand alone, my friend. <laughs> I hate so much about the things you choose to be. That's that's what I was. That's what I was saying. Of course, there's the no, no, when he was coming back. Um, or when he was leaving, right? They had a big party for him. Oh, goodbye, Toby. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, of course, Threat Love of Midnight is the most expensive scene. <laughs> when his uh, head piece oh. going off. Great stuff. Man. Great stuff. Man. All right. I think we covered everything. Illinois football. We'll have more, of course. Uh, I was hoping to, you know, break this up into multiple pods, but we had to we had to get this out, Joey. Um, because we've uh been low on the podcast. But you and Piper filled in admirably last week. Great conversation with Brad Underwood. I appreciated the uh the mudsling between both sides of that one. That was a fun one. It had to be done. We we, we had to take it out outside of Twitter. Yeah. You know, there's been too much Twitter fighting. To not not get this thing squared away. Yeah, it's a real rivalry. It's a it's a real <laughs> heated thing in, in real life. I won't I won't throw a pin at Brad Underwood. I promise you that. Oh, it's not quite Toby Michael levels. Not he would be Michael Scott in this instance. Yes, <laughs> yes I absolutely would. I think you should uh, take that as a, a badge of honor that uh, Brad Underwood even acknowledges you, Joey. And he is on social media. We confirm that. I, know, I I don't think he was ready to confirm it, but I, I, I don't think he could hide from it at that point. Yeah, he is. He is. All right, Joey, thank you as always for the time. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. We appreciate you. Give us a follow, rating, and review wherever you get your podcast. Everybody, take care of each other. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast.